the Ghost. It's a fitting title for an October series, don't you think? And the reason why we've been doing this is because a lot of people don't understand the Holy Spirit. Uh, they don't understand, you know, we, we hear the Holy Spirit, and then sometimes we're, we're, we're uh, often referred to as the Holy Ghost, and then we, people are like, oh, that kind of stuff freaks me out, and that stuff, you know, kind of tw- turns me sideways, and I don't get it. I don't get into all that Holy Ghost stuff. But that's because you don't understand it's God, like we looked at last week. He is God inside you. We saw the first week you were created in His image. That God has eyes and ears and nose and back parts and, 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 and feet and toes and legs. We are created in His image. Amen. And so we, we, we have a natural DNA to the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, I don't think it's going to be up there this week, but what does he tell you? He said, and I'll send you another comforter that he may abide with you for how long? Forever. So how long is the Holy Spirit going to abide with you? You can't get away from him. You can't outrun him. You can't go any, you can't go to the, hey, David said, I could go to the tops of the mountains and you're there. He said, I could go to the depths of hell in Sheol into the grave and you're there. He said, I could go as far as the sun goes, Stanley, and you're there. So where can I go to get away from God? See, the Holy Spirit is God. He deserves the worship. Oh, y'all talk about spirit worship? Just Holy Spirit worship. He is, he is part of the Godhead who is worthy to be praised, who is worthy to be worshiped. And, and, and so when we start looking at some of this stuff, people say, well, I, I don't really know about all this. Um, well, we looked at, I think it was last week or the week before. Uh, let's, let's correct something here. Uh, he's not an it. How'd you like to have a relationship with someone, Katie? And they called you their it. <laughs> well, it's cute today. <laughs> so what do we do when we, when, we, when we offer Holy Spirit that kind of reverence and, and so we looked as on the first week as we built the Holy Spirit according to scripture hands, eyes, toes you know all of it and then last week we saw that he is God in us to help us, to lead us to guide us into all truths he is the paraclete I want to start out today with a a quote by Gregory of Nazianzus. That's what it says. Uh, he, he writes, he says, The deity of the Holy Spirit ought to be clearly recognized in Scripture. He says, look at these facts. Christ is born, the Spirit is his forerunner. Christ is baptized, the Spirit bears witness. Christ is tempted, the Spirit let him up. Christ ascends, and the Spirit takes his place. What great things are there in the character of God which are not found in the Holy Spirit? In other words, what is there found? There's nothing. Why? He said, what titles which belong to God are not also applied to him? He is called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the mind of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of adoption, of truth, of liberty, the Spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, of might, of knowledge, of godliness, of the fear of God. 
This only begins to show how unlimited he is. This only begins to show how unlimited he is. I want to look at something today uh, on recognizing the Holy Spirit. Now, good charismatic Pentecostal folks, they think they know how to recognize him. And it's usually, it's usually based by how many goosebumps went up my arm. Uh, how many people prayed in tongues and fell out. I know not everybody was raised this way. Some of us know what we're talking about. <laughs> right, Ruth? Uh, we think, well, if, if, if they pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit was there. Um, and with this and that, and that's the only, and so they think those are the ways that we recognize him. And I want to show us a whole different way of recognizing him today. Go to John chapter 14. I guess we are going to go there. I forgot it was in my notes. John chapter 14, verse 16. I want to read out the Amplified Classic version here this morning for this. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. And we've been looking at this over the last few weeks. That word is paraclete or parakletos. And it means, that's why I wanted to use the Amplified, because it gives you the definition of that word. A counselor, a helper, an intercessor, an advocate, a strengthener, a standby. It also means one who is called alongside to help. So do not be afraid of what the whole, when, you, when we're starting to talk about the Holy Spirit, because we're actually showing you the help of God coming into your life. He says, I'll give you a counselor, a standby, a strengthener. He said that he may remain with you forever. Amen. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive or welcome into its heart or take into its heart, because it doesn't see him or know him and recognize him. I like this. But you know and recognize him. In other words, there should not be an excuse for us never to recognize the move of the Holy Spirit in our life. He said, you know him and recognize him. For he lives in you constantly and will be in you. Bill, said some, Bill Vanderbush said something uh, last Wednesday. Uh, did y'all enjoy him? Oh, man. Uh, but he was talking about Nicodemus, and, how, and he said, what must I do to be born again? And Jesus immediately started talking about the wind. One of the ways that we first see the, this presence of the Holy Spirit is by a wind. Is by a wind. Go to Acts chapter 2. Verse 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 2, and suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house they were sitting. I don't know how we got to focus on the tongues part, and we missed the fact that there was a, a wind that sounded like a tornado just entered the room. And so what we do is we look for these other signs to recognize the Holy Spirit's presence, and we ignore certain other things. We were in a service one time, and we were, we were just praying, and we were having a good time praying, and we had a, a banner on the wall. Had a dove and flames. You ever, you ever seen that one? Come on, you've been around church very long, you've seen that flag. We had that banner on the wall, 
And while we were praying, we all looked up and all of a sudden it started to blow up off the wall. It, it, it blew straight up off the wall and began to wave. Do you remember this, Reese? I, I was just wondering because the next night we were in the middle of a revival. The next night my son, who was probably six at the time, he just grabbed that flag. And I've never, I've never seen a kid run for so long. He ran until he almost passed out with that, with that banner coming behind him. Around just circles and circles and circles. But what happened the night before was the wind came in. Now imagine, we're wanting to see a move of God so much that we're looking for all these outer things that we forget that sometimes He's that gentle breeze that blows. It's that, that breeze that blows and raises the hair on your arm. And you're thinking, Whew. And what do we do? We go, ooh, it was strong in there today. No, he's here. He's blowing. He's not an it. His presence, the presence of God himself has settled into the place. And you can know it because sometimes it's just that gentle. Or like the day of Pentecost, it sounds like a train just entered the room. He says that when they were all gathered together with one mind and one accord, and they were in the upper room, it said there came a sound like a rushing mighty wind. One of the first references in the new church that we see of Holy Spirit's presence is a wind that's blowing. Go to Acts chapter 1. So how do we know this was that the Holy Spirit was blowing? Well, because of what the Spirit done afterward. But look at Acts 1. Flip back one page. In verse 8, he said, but after, you sh but you shall receive, what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So what was happening in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, was the fulfillment of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. They were receiving power. How? By the wind. Have you ever noticed what they're trying to use for power nowadays? Got a couple big ones hanging around here right now. Right beside a hotel up here, there's a big old what? Windmill. Why? Because they know that there is power in wind. They know that when the wind blows, you can harness that and begin to make exciting things happen. When will the church realize that we don't need everybody to fall out and everybody to pray? I'm not against all those. You all know that. That's fun. But when are we going to recognize and learn to harness that gentle breeze as it blows. That when they understood that God's presence was in the place, that power was available to them. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem. And then how, where else? All the parts of the earth. He said, you shall be my witnesses. See, the power is there. Windmills produce power. They, we've figured out. So what is power? You know what the definition of power is? It's the ability to do work. Power simply means the ability to do work. Imagine a church that's so comfortable with the presence of God and with Holy Spirit that the moment... He begins a soft 
gentle breeze that we understand the ability to do work is here right now. We don't have to wait. We don't have to feel a goosebump. We don't have to feel. We understand it just that simple. That breeze. Folks, we've got to come to the point where we understand He is moving and we recognize Him even if He would try to hide. Acts chapter 2. The first way He's shown to us is by the wind. Verse 17. He said, in the last days I shall pour out. Oops. In the last days it shall be, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit now, I don't think we really read this. We don't really read this, church. Well, how do you know we don't really read it? Well, I think because we miss a three-letter word that's in there, Pastor Ted. And it will come in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on... On all flesh. See, what we're doing is we're going to enter into a time. Listen, how many of you remember Balaam? All right, nobody remembers Balaam. Let's talk about Balaam for a minute. Balaam had a donkey. He was riding his donkey. An angel appears. Balaam doesn't see it. The donkey does. And the donkey runs him into the wall. Well, he gets off the donkey, he beats the donkey, and it gets back on. Well, the angel appears again, he runs him out in the field. What's he do? He gets off the donkey, he beats the donkey again. And finally, he goes to hit the donkey one last time. The donkey said, what are you hitting me for? <laughs> yes, he talked to his donkey. We have to understand, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, he is not picky about what vessel he uses. You are going to begin to hear the words that are so prophetic from the most strangest place. And you're thinking, there is no way that's God. But see, you're going to recognize it's God because you know the wind. You feel the breeze. You hear. You see, what do your words produce? Your words produce wind. Your words are carried by wind. Everything you say is destined to do with wind. And there are going to be voices that you know they don't understand who God is, but they are hearing a word. And they don't know why they're even speaking this word, but you do. Oh, that's sacrilege. I'm sorry, the word says what it says. <laughs> the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Here's the thing will the church have their ears open to hear it, or will they immediately cut it off because it doesn't come from a place that they think it should come from? Come Let me come over here. Will we receive it and recognize it? Or will we cut it off because it doesn't come from a voice we think it should come from? When you recognize the voice of the Spirit, you recognize when that wind blows, when that word is spoken, it's carried on the wind of your breath. Ha, ha, ha. 
I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my men's servants and my maid servants. Guess what? He doesn't care if it's a man or a woman. Recognize the voice. Recognize the voice of the Spirit, the wind. Well, God can't use a woman. I will pour out my Spirit on who? Your manservants and your maidservants. On all flesh. Last time I checked, Jody, you as much flesh as I is. Come on. What's our problem? Are we going to cut off a voice? Are we going to quit listening? Just because it comes from somewhere we don't think it should come from. Ooh, getting in trouble. I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Mark chapter 16. You all know this. Mark chapter 16 verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they'll what? If you're a believer, this is, not, this is Christianity 101. In those days, they will, in my name, cast out demons. <laughs> those who believe, they will speak with new tongues. Man, imagine what's in the Word. They'll take up serpents. They'll drink any, if, they, if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Yeah. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was received. See, all this happened in the same time of Acts chapter 1. This is the same time of Acts chapter 1. He said, and when you receive power, you shall receive power to be witnesses. Same time frame he's talking about right here. In same, same, same day. And when the Lord had spoken to them, he was received into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord, what? Working with them. How does, he, how does the Lord work with you? See, what is wind? It's the ability to do work. And the Lord working with them, confirming the word with accompanying signs. The ability to do work is found when we recognize the movement of the Holy Spirit. Man, don't cut off the voices. Be open for God to start speaking to you in the strangest of places. <laughs> don't just beat the donkey. <laughs> Listen. To what God is wanting to say because they're probably just as surprised as you are that that's coming out of their mouth and they're like I don't know why I'm saying this well no they don't they don't recognize him but you should but you should so the first view that we get of him is when go to Luke 24 oh we have to recognize this folks Luke 24 verse 49 and look, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But wait 
in the city of Jerusalem until you be clothed with the ability to do work from on high. And what do we find? Acts chapter 2. When they're all gathered together in one accord with one mindset, there came a sound of a rushing mighty wind. I've already covered this a little bit, but one of the other ways that we recognize it is by breath. He See, we all used to make fun of Benny Hinn. I know, maybe not you, but I did. Listen, I was raised not in a denomination that accepts a lot of things. And I stood up to make fun of Benny Hinn, Ruth. I stood up and pointed at the TV like this and was struck dumb. Couldn't speak. I literally couldn't. I stood there in these people's homes going... My mouth opened and nothing would come out. And then I heard Holy Spirit say, don't make fun of what you don't understand. John verse 20, chapter 20. See, we've got to recognize the breath of God. Because that breath is carried, by, is carried on the air by wind. See, the breath of God... He said, and when he had said to him, when he had said this, verse 22, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus give the Holy Spirit to his apostles? He appeared to them in the middle of a room and he went, Whew. we made all kinds of fun of being here for that. Why is this blowing on people? Just following what Jesus did. I bet you didn't know that was in Scripture, did you? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. One of the first ways of them receiving was by their master appearing to them after death and going, receive the Holy Spirit. We have to realize that when He breathes on us, He's carrying the very breath of God. It's the same breath that breathed into a lump of dirt in the garden. It's that same breath that brought life to us in the beginning. It's that same breath. And He is still breathing now. He's still leaving that presence of you. Still living in that presence in you. Romans chapter, no, Genesis chapter 2. It's God. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. He breathed into man the breath. What does breath do? It forms words. And it forms the words of our lives. And when it forms the words of our lives, we then become creators. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let us make them. What God was saying, let's make man just like us. Well, how did he create everything up until man? By his breath, by his words, by that breath. And what did he do to man? He put in man something that is so intimate 
I don't believe he stood way off, Richard, and went, anybody in here ever trained in CPR? Where's your mouth go? Right. Couldn't you see God forming man out of this dirt and coming close to him and covering his face with his mouth? Something that is so intimate, we only reserve it for those we are closest with. And went, and all of a sudden, it became in man. The Targum on necklace, if you don't know what it is, that is an ancient, ancient writing of Genesis. You can look it up. It wrote that verse this way. Adonai Elohim then formed man of the dust of the ground and he blew into his nostrils the breath of life and so man became a living, speaking soul. A living, speaking. Well, what's that so important? Because he created you to be just like him. To speak into creation. He created you to be vocal. He created you to carry the power of God even on your words and on your breath. But we don't recognize that about ourselves. We don't recognize that. Go to Ezekiel chapter 37. Go to Ezekiel chapter 37. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out into the spirit of the Lord. And he set me in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them all around. And there were very many in the open valley. And they were very dry. You ever felt that way? Well, there's an answer for dry bones. <laughs> There's an answer for dry bones. And then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. And again he said to me, Prophesy. Yeah. Breathe. Let the words, breath, come out of your mouth. See, the only thing that's going to rise up, dry things around you is when you understand that it was breathed into you, the breath of life. And when you begin to prophesy, you begin to release that breath over the dry situations of your life. He said, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus the Lord God... Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you. What's he doing? He's, he's prophesying about the Spirit. I will cause breath to enter to you so that you will live. And I will lay sinews upon you. And I will grow back flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. So that you live. <laughs> then you shall know that I am the Lord. But what if Ezekiel would have held his breath? What if Ezekiel would have held his words? 
What if Ezekiel says, you know what, I just don't think I can do that. I just don't think I can prophesy that. This is huge. How can I prophesy? Don't tell me I'm the only one that's ever wondered that. When God's told you to speak over a situation and you look at that situation going, what has my words got to do with this? How do my words, how do my words compare to this? You've got to realize the same breath that breathed into the garden is the same breath that is in you right now. And when you begin to release that breath, it brings dryness back to life. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And there came a sound like a mighty rush. He said, when I prophesied, there was a noise. A shaking. And the bones came together. Bone to its bone. And when I looked, sinews and flesh grew upon them. And the skin covered them. But there was no... Everything lies dead until there's breath. But breath that you and I have been blessed with, that you and I carry. Then he said to me, prophesy to the wind. And there came a sound like a mighty rushing He said, prophesy to the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind. Thus saith the Lord, come, O four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain so that they may live. And so I prophesied. But there was never going to be life in that valley until somebody opened their mouth. And there's ever going to be life in dead situations until a church understands. They recognize the wind. They know the breath that fills them until somebody dares open their mouth and release what God has put in them. And so I prophesied, oh, four winds. So I prophesied as he commanded to me. And what happened? The breath came into them. And they lived and stood upon their feet a... (laughs) An exceeding great army. The world changed forever on the day of Pentecost. There came a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And that day thousands gave themselves over to the Lord. And from that day forward, the face of humanity was forever changed. Because they realized the breath And the wind that was in them. (laughs) He just did spiritual CPR on them. So we recognize him by the wind. We recognize him by breath. And here's the one everybody really likes. We recognize him by fire. Let's go back. Let's not go back to Acts yet. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Hallelujah. Everybody good? I indeed baptize you with water to repentance. But he who is coming after me. Now this is John the Baptist talking about Jesus coming. 
He said, one that's coming after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Charismatics, Pentecostals, I'm picking on us again. We read this wrong. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And fire. There's a baptism by fire. (laughs) Not just the baptism of the Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit brings this fire. We're going to look at that in just a second. So where should I do it? Yeah. Uh, So why are we so picky on who has the baptism of the Spirit? Well, they can't have because they don't do X, Y, Z. Really? He says he's coming and he'll baptize with the Spirit and with fire. See, there's something different that happens when he baptizes with fire. Go to Acts chapter 2. Let's just go ahead and go there. Verse 3. And this is after there came a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Verse 3. And there appeared to them tongues of fire. See, now there's a fire resting on them. See, the Spirit came in. Then the fire appeared. He is not the fire. The fire is a result of His presence. He is not the fire. The fire is a result of His presence. And there appeared over them cloven tongues of fire. And what happens when that fire comes? being distributed and resting over each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Other tongues is not the Holy Spirit. It's a result of recognizing His presence and being in His presence. (laughs) He is so much more than the gifts He brings. He is so much more than the gifts He brings. He says, but they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So why fire? Why is fire important here? Go to Isaiah 6. Go to Isaiah 6 because we need to understand why there's fire that comes along with the Holy Spirit because fire purifies. Fire purifies. And sometimes we need some stuff burnt off. Maybe not you, maybe just me, but sometimes, Jeff. Look at what happened in Isaiah 6, verse 4. It said, the post of the door moved at the voice of him. This is when Isaiah was caught up into heaven. It says, at the voice of the Lord, the post moved. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim, (laughs) 
We might as well start seeing seraphim too. Listen, when you start seeing these types of angels, you're going to realize the pictures you've had all, all your life ain't right. <laughs> Six wings. Flies around with two wings, covers his eyes with two wings, covers his feet with two wings. And has eyes all in its wings. We would call it a demon. Because we miss the presence of the Lord. And one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar in his hand. And he laid it on my mouth and said, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. (laughs) Oh, what Jesus did on the cross. What Jesus did for three days after the cross. See, we forget what it says, Zach. You know what happens after the cross? The Word says that he went to hell. Why? Because fire purifies. Jesus didn't need purified. What he did is he took humanity. He took that flesh into the place where fire was. And fire purifies. And the Word says that when He came out, He now stands and says, I have the keys of death and hell and the grave. Hell is held in... He who owns the keys owns the house. It purifies. We've been purified. Isaiah came and said, I'm a man of unclean lips. He said, here. And he touched a live hot coal to his lips and said, your sin... Isn't it funny how he cleansed his sin by touching his lips? By the, the, the words that he speaks, the breath that he releases, the wind that comes out. He said, I will purge their sin. I'll purge his sin by touching his lips. I think some of us might need purged from time to time. That our lips are just getting us in trouble. And that we live in a place. Lastly, we recognize him by wind, by breath, by fire, and by water. See, everything that you think would cancel each other out (laughs) is really manifestations of him. John chapter 7 Can you stay with me just a minute more? John chapter 7. Verse 37. And on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living. Out of his heart. See, out of you should be flowing rivers of living water. Because what he does on the inside should reroute your outside. So that out of you 
is now rivers for others to be blessed with. Out of you should be rivers. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke of the Spirit. Whom those who believe in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, it's not enough for him to breathe into me. It's not enough for that wind. I have to be a conduit for others to be refreshed by the Spirit of God. In other words, it's, what, it's important what I say to people. See, we, 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 we like to read out of Ephesians where it says, well, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. And we have this idea of thinking that means don't cuss. It's not what that means at all. Read it in the context. That word corrupt means putrid. It means rotten. <laughs> but the word communication is not about cursing. It's about how I speak. If you read down just two verses later, he said, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And in the very next verse, he says, and put away all bitterness, anger, wrath, malice. So what grieves the Spirit of God? The things that come out of my mouth. And how I deal with him. And how I deal with you. He said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink, and then out of you will flow rivers of living water. What's the point for it to come out of you? So you can be a blessing. So that you can bring Jesus to the world. So that you can bring the Spirit. So that you can be the one to prophesy over the valley of dry bones. So that you can be the refreshing that others need. Folks, hey Doc, how long can we live without water? About three days. I just put his medical degree to the test there. <laughs> I'd already looked it up. <laughs> He's, you'll learn to retire from medicine again, won't you? <laughs> you can live about three days without water. It's vital. Food, about 50 to 80 days. But it is vital for you to take a drink. And here's the answer. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are thirsty. All, if you're thirsty, come to Jesus. And if you haven't been talking to him lately the way you need to be, come to Jesus. Because it's the wind you need. It's the breath you need. It's the fire that's went out. All of this time is you and I sitting down with Holy Spirit. Last one, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Spiritually transformed, united together 
whether Jews or Greeks, Gentiles, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one Holy Spirit since the same Holy Spirit fills each life. Don't miss Holy Spirit. Learn to recognize Him. Learn to hear that voice. Learn to catch that wind. And then learn to release what is in you so that you can prophesy to the wind of someone else's life and say, come and drink from the fountain of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We glorify and magnify you. We praise you in the beauty of your holiness. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us every day. You never leave us or forsake us. You go with us to the very end. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving and doing things that we can only dream possible. And I thank you that you're moving on us now. And as my prayer team comes up today, Father, begin to move in this place. Overwhelm them with your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.